Hi everyone, welcome to our, our talk of the week. And uh, my name's Chris, if you don't know me, and it's good to be with you like this. We are, uh, this is I think our third Sunday when we've, uh, we're doing a series on community, kingdom community, and we are sending out the talk on a Wednesday. So we're recording it, it's a Wednesday lunchtime here at Hope Chapel, and uh, we're putting this talk out today so that you can listen to it or watch it in advance of Sunday. And uh, our, our vision hasn't changed, has it, as a church? You know, our vision here at Hope is to bring good news to all people, uh, to bring hope to all people through the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. We're about continuing the, the life and the ministry and the work of Jesus. And uh, so COVID has just changed the way in which we gather as a church and, and do some of those things. And we're in, I'm interested to see what's, what do things look like when, we, when this is all over. And I uh, wonder if this will be a, uh, something that we keep or not. Uh, we're not precious about that, but we are precious about our our vision and our purpose and following Jesus. And uh, Esther's going to be speaking this morning, uh, this afternoon, lunchtime, whatever it is. Um, and uh, so Kingdom Community, and we're kind of particularly looking at, um, uh, she's going to be particularly speaking about uh, having a small number of people that we go deep with in our in our Christian walk, that aspect of of community. So I'm going to pray. And, uh, and I think as always, when we're listening to someone praying some teaching to us, uh, Let's, let's start by praying that um, positioning ourselves open and, 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 and eager to hear what God's saying. So, Lord, Lord, we take that position now of uh, being learners, sitting under your feet, Jesus, as our teacher, as our, as our God, as our Lord. Uh, and but also through, through Esther is someone who, who's bringing your word to us. We want to learn from her. We want to grow. And uh, so we pray that you feed us and you speak to us and you help us to mature and change it for the better through what Esther brings today. Amen. Over to you, Esther. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Um, for those who don't know you, know me, I'm Esther. I'm one of the elders here at Hope. I've been part of the church for 21 years, so quite a long time. I know I don't look that old, but um, yeah, thank you. Um I'm going to be speaking today on what it looks like to be vulnerable with God and what it looks like to be vulnerable with other people. And I'm going to be sharing my story really of the last six months. And and I don't think you can separate the two. If you you want to go deeper with God, you've got to also go deeper with with other people. And there's so much that I could say (laughs) on this topic um, and so I, I just asked the Lord, what, what is it that he wants to say to us as, as a church? And the thing that I felt him say was actually, in this season, he is inviting us to go deeper with him. It's an invitation to experience him in a way maybe we've never known before. And also an invitation to go deeper with other people, people we trust, people we feel safe with. Um, and I want to just uh, recognise and, and a- a- acknowledge that actually this past 18 months for many, many people has been really, really tough. Um, it's been tough for me. Uh, I know for many there's been ill health and loss, grief, trauma, uh, maybe an increase in fear, an increase in anxiety, maybe there's been questions about God um, or kind of doubts. Um, I just want to recognise that, that 
And how do we process that? How do we as a church, as a group of people, process the things that are coming up that are maybe way out of our control? Um, So I just want to say, I've seen some of you maybe on a Sunday afternoon at at Cafe Church, and it's been great to connect. And I, I don't know your stories. I don't really know what's happened in the last 18 months for you. Um, but I just want to let you know that there, there's always hope. And in the midst of trials, in the midst of hardship, God is always, always inviting us to go deeper. Um, trials often expose things that are inside us. And I'll share a bit from my own story, but when life is going okay and we're feeling great and we've got jobs and incomes and and our health, we think actually, yeah, life's okay. And we can sometimes just um, push down maybe some stuff that, that we don't really want to deal with. And trials have a way of exposing things that we want to push down. Um, maybe our coping mechanisms, our way of coping with life, maybe we've, they, they don't work anymore. Um, so... Yes, I'm just going to start with my story, really, just the last six months of the kind of trials that I've, that I've been through and how God in his incredible kindness has met me and has spoken really specifically um, to show that he loves me and he cares for me and he's, he, pro- he provides for me. So in December last year, I was rushed to hospital and had to have an operation. It was all very... Uh, it was a sudden thing it was quite a traumatic thing Um, and whilst I was in hospital I was in hospital for a week I had a phone call from my sister to say that my my father had sadly passed away uh, on on New Year's Eve and I was alone in the hospital I couldn't have anyone come and visit me and it was the most awful time you know, that there are no words really to express um, the emotions and, and the kind of things that, that come up when you hear news like that. I know I was quite high on morphine, so I, I probably wasn't, I didn't really feel the feels until um, a, a few weeks later, really. And in that time, I was, and God, I just love his kindness and the way that he speaks. I was lying in the hospital bed, I'd had my operation. I was probably watching Friends or something, just trying to, you know, keep keep my spirits up. And I I, I heard the word f- uh, fallow, and I don't know whether it was an audible voice from God, but it was so clear that it it, it shook me. It shook me to my core, and I, was, and I switched off the TV. And I think I think God has just just spoken, and I. I got out my phone and I, I googled what does fallow mean and I was taken to Le- Leviticus 25 which talks about where you work the land for six years and on the seventh year the land has a year of complete rest and I was thinking Lord are you asking me and the thought that came into my head is are you asking me to leave my job so I've been in my job for eight years and to be honest, I think I was a bit burnt out. I was tired um, having another operation and then the news of my, my dad. 
it was all too much. And I think, I, yeah, and, and God just spoke this word. And so I said, Lord, this is quite a dramatic thing to, for me to leave my job in a pandemic when people are losing their jobs and I'm purposely choosing to leave my job. And so I said, Lord, please, can you, can, can you confirm this? Is this from you? I think, so I came up hospital on a Saturday and on the Sunday, Alice Bond spoke at church. Guess what she spoke on? Leviticus 25, having a fallow year. What does it look like when you don't sow or reap or harvest? What does it look like to rest and to allow the Lord, our Heavenly Father, to take care of us? What does it look like not to worry about where we, what we eat or drink or what we will wear? And I was like, Lord, that is, <laughs> that is a confirmation. And um, so it took me a few months just to kind of process that and um, to, to deal with that. And, and so those kind of first few months in January and February, to, to, to grieve the loss of someone in winter and in lockdown is the most awful thing because you can't hug, you can't... Um, have people around and just laugh and, and, and cry. And I felt utterly exposed and vulnerable and shaken and everything that was kind of certain in my life. You know, I've now handed in, in, in my notice at work. Um, so having a, a monthly income, knowing I'll get money end of every month. I, I, I no longer have a, have a earthly father and that, that shakes the kind of the, the family. I, I left my flat in Clifton and I went to move in with my mum where I'm staying. Um, so basically, you know, our, our family changed, my my job changed, my where I was living changed, and also my health. I was struggling to kind of recover from a major, uh, uh, it's like a major su- surgery. Um, and in in this place, God is inviting me. <laughs> God is inviting us deeper. And so I'm just going to share just, just a few things really on what we can, what can help us to go deeper with God and deeper with other people. The number one thing um, that I've been learning in the last few months is to ground myself absolutely in the love of God. I've been running to the word of God, to the Bible. Lord, what are you saying to me in this season? What is the truth that you're saying to me when my whole world has been turned upside down and I'm overwhelmed? What are you saying? Romans 8, for example, nothing, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. Neither life nor death, angels or demons, the past, the present, the future, nothing. And I would say, Lord, thank you that nothing can separate me from your love. Psalm 139 became an incredible comfort to me. Lord, you know me. You've searched me. You know the depths of my being. There's nothing you don't know. Every day ordained for me, you know. If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, if I kind of settle, even in the darkness. Darkness is not dark to you. Darkness is light to you. And so in my darkness, and it was dark, some days were very, very dark, I'd say, Lord, even this darkness is is not dark to you. You are light. 
Jeremiah 29, 11, I would say this verse over my life, most days in the last six months. Lord, even though I don't know the plans, I don't know what job I'm going to do, I don't know where my income will come from. And God says to us, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And then he says, you will call upon me and I will hear you. You will seek me and I will be found by you. And that, that God is speaking those words to a people who were in captivity. They were out of their comfort zone. They were in a foreign land and they were prisoners. It wasn't all rosy. And God speaks words that are often opposite <laughs> to our circumstances. In a time when I was overwhelmed by not knowing how am I going to survive just the next day? God breaks in and says, but I know the plans I have for you, Esther. And I go, thank you, Lord. Thank you. So, number one, ground ourselves in the love of God and in the truth of who God says he is. Number two, God invites us into a raw and honest relationship with him. And I've had to learn this. Um, those are, I listened to a podcast by Jonathan Helser, and he said, how can you draw near to God if you are far from yourself? And that really struck me of actually to connect heart to heart with God. We need to know what's going on in our hearts. And there were some days and I would just cry and cry and I go, Lord, you say you're my comforter. I need you as my comforter. The kind of loss of my dad is so deep. I, I need you in that, in that raw place where I feel insecure, I feel unstable, I feel alone. Um, and we couldn't gather in people's homes and it was just cold. It was cold all the time, you know. And, and I had to learn what does, it, what does it look like to be raw and honest and to connect with God. And Psalm 42 Verse 8, I think, or 6 says, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. The depths of our, our own being connects with the depths of God. He knows us. Every swear word or every thing that comes out of my mouth, my anger, my frustration, my grief, God knows there's nothing we can do to shake his love for us. He won't remove his love if we express stuff that we think he doesn't want to hear. He doesn't work like that. Um, and sometimes we go through the kind of motions of prayer and worship and outward appearance of doing the right things before God. And uh, so I just, you know, encourage you as I'm learning on this journey. And sometimes it's scary. I was quite scared sometimes to go into those depths and go, I don't know if I even want to express this grief because it hurts. And then we'll, 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 I'm going to talk about the kind of role of other people in that. How do we walk this journey with others? Uh, the, the third thing is actually it's really important to hold the balance between acknowledging our emotions and our feelings on one part and on, on, the, on the other hand, not forgetting who God is. And I think if we go too far on, um, this is what I'm feeling, it, you know, 
I know for myself, I can spiral, spiral very quickly into self-pity. Well, I've got no job. I'm living with my mum. I'm 46. Um, I, I'm, I'm fatigued quite a lot of the time. I struggle to um, get my energy levels up after surgery. Um, I don't know where my money will come from. Very easy to spiral down. So it's really important to not... It's important to express stuff, but not to stuff it down, but also to say, God, I don't know where my money will come from, but you are my provider. You say you are my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And I just want to give a a little testimony of actually of that very thing. One of my biggest fears of of handing in my notice of submitting to that word from God. And we, we, we all have a choice when God speaks. We all have a choice. Will we step out in faith and dare to trust that he's spoken? And I I believe he did speak. I think he spoke so clearly and he confirmed it throughout his bond. I couldn't, I couldn't. When I was shaky about um, is this from God, it was so obvious. I, I, <laughs> you know, I think he, he made it so obvious because he knew that I would panic. And some mornings I'd wake up and I'd go, oh, Lord. How am I going to pay for this and for that? But you are my provider. Thank you. Um, And I had a check in the post, maybe in February, um, from my auntie. um, And 30 years ago, she, my dad, loaned her some money. And I, you know, we, we, we didn't know about this. And she then decided now was the right time to pay it back. But um, when my dad was alive, he said, don't pay him back, but split it between me and my sisters. So in February, we all got a check for the post from my auntie. And uh, I was like, wow, Lord, you can bring money <laughs> from anywhere. Like, I'd never had money from my from my auntie before. And you know, a 30-year-old loan. I mean, it's extraordinary, but God knew that that was one of the things that I was worried about. I said, Lord, you've asked me to have a year of rest. <laughs> it's your responsibility <laughs> to look after me and provide for me, and I want to walk with you in that journey. Um, the fourth thing, and I think for me, this is the most powerful thing that I've learned, and I think it's where it's been the most, where I've seen the most significant shift, really, in my mind and in my mental health and in my joy and my peace. And it's this, keeping things in the dark imprison us, keeps us, holds us captive, but bringing things into the light bring freedom And that is a spiritual principle that we find in 1 John 1. So I'm just going to read it. It's 1 John 1, verse 5 to 7. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness... We lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us 
from all sin. And that for me is the most powerful verse and it's very practical. I don't know your experience of lockdown, but for me it was very easy to believe lies when I was on my own. It's very easy to have a thought in our minds of, oh, I'm not worthy of love or I'm anxious about this or I'm worried I'm going to get sick. And when our thoughts are going round and round in our heads, the enemy loves it. He, The enemy, in John 10, verse 10, he says, the enemy loves to steal, kill and destroy. But the Lord has come to give us life and life in all its fullness. If the enemy can keep our lives, our thoughts, our negative thoughts going round and round in our heads, and often his, he, he wants us to believe that God doesn't love us, that we are disconnected from him. So dis- disconnection, I believe, is a strategy of the enemy. And with COVID and all that's happened with lockdown, it's very easy to feel that we're disconnected from God sometimes and from other people. So I think this, what I'm kind of sharing today is so key for us as a church to walk in the opposite spirit of independence and isolation is to actually walk alongside each other. Um, and it's, it's very hard to be fully known <laughs> when we keep things to ourselves. Um, and so just in, in, in a practical way, what, what, what I do when I'm struggling with, with thoughts in my head, I ask myself, what is the lie I'm believing about myself? And I also ask myself, what is the lie I'm believing about God? So what's the lie I'm believing about myself and what's the lie I'm believing about God? So, for example, in uh, you know, the early months of this year, my, my anxiety levels, I really struggled to kind of cope. I felt overwhelmed by all sorts of emotions and grief and loss. And so when my anxiety levels started to rise, I, I, I would panic and I would physically feel kind of cut off from, from people, from God, um, and I thought, I can't cope. And so I'd, I'd ask myself, okay, Esther, what lie are you believing? Number one, I'm believing the lie that I cut off from God. That's a lie. Um, I, I'm believing the lie that I'm not loved when I'm in this place of anxiety. Um, and what am I believing about God? That... Some of the things I believe are actually maybe he can't do anything about it. Maybe things can't change. Maybe there is no hope. Maybe um, I will struggle with this for the rest of my life or, or I'm unsafe, that God isn't safe. Um, and so I would kind of, I'd, I'd, I'd write these things down. And sometimes I would pick up my guitar and I would worship and I would... Um, as I worshipped, sometimes the anxiety would lift. But more often than not, I think the journey that God has me on at the moment <laughs> is actually they, the things that sometimes go round and round in my head are often broken now as I speak them out. And I think that's the power in this verse. When we bring things into the light, 
in the presence of another person, someone, someone who is safe and we can trust, the power of that lie is broken. Shame grows in darkness. Psalm 139 says, God is light. There is no darkness in him. Even darkness is light to him. As we, as we verbally say, I say, you know, I am struggling with this. As we speak it out, I've seen like, I've seen anxiety lift in myself in an instant just through the very uh, action of speaking it out. And those who are close to me have, have, have seen that, that as well. It's like something lifts. Um, so sometimes it lifts of worship on my own, but more often than not, I have to step out and uh, make that phone call or say, text someone, say, look, I'm really, really struggling. Um, and it, Isaiah 10, verse 27, in the King James Version, it talks about the anointing breaking the yoke of oppression. And all that means is the anointing, which is the presence of Jesus, breaks the yoke of oppression, breaks things that we can carry that are oppressing us and which are heavy. And I remember I went for a walk with... Um, good friend, Jesse Wilde, in, I don't know, back, back in February, and the, the whole day I was struggling. I, was, I felt just really low and just felt hopeless and despairing. I thought, oh, maybe I'll cancel my walk. I thought, no, I will go. And I thought, well, I'll, you know, I'll walk, but I'll just tell her the whole walk, how awful life is and whatever. <laughs> and and we, we went for a walk, and literally in the first minute of seeing her and we were just chatting, Everything I'd felt all day just lifted. And there's something about when you're with someone who carries the presence of Jesus and the light of Jesus, like the darkness didn't stay, it couldn't stay. And actually, I don't think I talked about myself at all. We just laughed. And actually, there's such power in meeting with other people, of gathering together as church, gathering together as friends, because... I don't know if this is true, but sometimes things can only maybe be broken in the presence of someone else. I think maybe that's God's way of saying, let's walk in interdependence with each other. And there was an, another example I remember very clearly, again, just having a really tough day. I just couldn't shift the, my, my mood, and I, I, I voice noted someone, and Joe Sweetland, who part of this church, she left me a voice note, and all she said was something like, Esther, you are so loved, even in the midst of all that's happening. You are deeply, deeply loved. And again, it just broke it. And I just, I burst into tears in the car. I was on my own. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't driving. And uh, I thought, it's gone. Whatever it was, that lie, that heaviness, it, it lifted. Um, and for me, my own personal journey is one of, um, of, of, choosing to open up and as I open up and allow love in the more free I become and and that's that's the journey that God has me on so these things that I'm experiencing is is God inviting me Esther as you reach out as you share as you have courage it takes courage to be vulnerable if it didn't we'd all be vulnerable the whole time (laughs) 
It takes huge courage to say, this is what I'm feeling, and to receive love in the midst of our pain and struggle is the most powerful, freeing thing. I think in 1 John 4, 12, it says that no one has ever seen God, but God lives in us, and as we love one another, his love is made complete in us. That's 1 John 4, 12, and that's basically saying we are incomplete without the love of other people, and that's the way God works. That's the way the family of God works. And a, f- a friend of mine, she wrote a blog, and there's this line um, in it which challenged me. It says, you can only be loved in an area you're willing to show someone else. And that was so powerful for me. Are there areas in, in your life that actually you haven't shared with other people? And I had a choice when I read that line. <laughs> I could feel the Holy Spirit saying, Esther... Um, are you willing to show areas of your life? Um, you can only be loved in those areas when you're willing to share. Um, so yeah, again, it's an invitation of, of God knows us, he knows our journey, and it's an un- unravelling, I like that thing, of an unravelling of our pain, an unravelling of the things that have gone on in the last 18 months. God is so gentle. He knew I needed to hear that word fallow, in, the, in my hospital bed when I couldn't move. <laughs> Psalm 23, he makes me lie down. <laughs> um, and I needed to leave my job. I was burnt out and I needed a year of rest to just deal with and process all that's happened. He's so kind. He knows what we need. And he speaks to us in ways that we can hear, hear him. Sometimes it may be an audible voice. Maybe it might be through something you read or something that someone says to you. But let's be open and ask the Lord what he's saying to us uh, in this season of our lives. And just to just to finish, um, part of um, what we believe here at Hope is actually it's really, really important to walk in accountable relationships with, with one another, to walk with others, to support one another. Um, and when Chris said, when he asked me to the talk, he, he sent me some questions, and one of them was, why am I comfortable in being vulnerable with other people? And I think my answer is, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> sometimes it gets easier, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's excruciating. Um, I find vulnerability, you might think I find vulnerability easy, um, but areas of my life that are personal and very deep, I I find it hard to reach out. Um, So maybe you find vulnerability really hard. Maybe you have trusted people and been hurt. Um, And I just want to encourage you, for many, many years, I was like a solid brick wall. (laughs) You couldn't get close to me. I was the sarcastic queen. And you just, you just, it was very, very hard to get to know me. But God, in his kindness, he brought people into my life to love me and to speak words of encouragement and blessing over me. And it's taken years to, to build trust with people. I, I think I did have an issue with, with, with trust. Um, but I've got some wonderful, wonderful friends in my life that I do trust and I, and I share with. So if you're in that place of, 
I, I just, I'm not sure if I can go there. Um, start to pray and ask God, God, bring me people into my life who I can start to share with and be vulnerable with. Show me who those people are. I think part of kind of walking alongside people um, to learn to listen is <laughs> it's quite a hard skill, but to, to sit and listen when people talk and not to judge and just give them space to be um, and just allow them to, to share, allow them to, 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 to go deeper. Um, and I was just also thinking about the role of counselling and medication I actually had to up my antidepressant medication in January just because I, I, I couldn't cope. All that had happened in my life completely changed and I was really struggling. Um, and that just helped, it helped me to sleep and it just helped me just to level out um, and, and to function. Um, and I'm, I'm also getting some trauma, trauma counselling and, and, and grief counselling. And some things are very deep that takes time to, to, to unravel and um, so sometimes we might need some, some professional help and that's wonderful and you've got some wonderful um, people who, who are very skilled at, at those, those kind of things so um, I used to have a massive kind of shame issue really I suppose around having to go on medication to help me in, in life and now I don't <laughs> I thank the Lord for doctors and for medication and people who can provide those things just to help us function. Because sometimes life is just, it's, it's too much, um, and it has been for, for me. Um, and another kind of thing is, is actually the, the balance between challenge and encouragement. <laughs> no one likes to be challenged. I don't really like to be challenged. But I've got a couple of people in my life who I've said, please challenge me. And uh, but when you're in, you know, when you're struggling, sometimes it's nice to be in self pity, but isn't it? It's like, well, you know, it's tough. Look, look at all the things that have happened in my life. That sucks. That's really hard. And uh, my friends would say, Esther, have you picked up your guitar and have you worshipped? Oh no. And uh, so yeah. So it's. It's good for me to have people to challenge me. Esther, rise up. This is who you are. I'm going to speak words of life over you, but I'm also going to encourage you and challenge you to step up um, and continue to share your heart, but also continue to uh, pour out your heart to God. And I think just the final thing that I think God is, is saying to us is moving from the mindset of going to church, to the mindset that we are the church. And I think the fact that we haven't really had church on a Sunday, we can't say, oh, I'm going to church, but actually we are the church. And there is, a, I think, an invitation from the Lord just to step up for each one of us. This church is full of extraordinary people. <laughs> We're all leaders in our own rights. It's an extraordinary place. And... Um, but I think part of our maturity and, and, and growing up is actually taking responsibility and learning to pastor our own hearts and choosing to say, okay, I need people. I need people in my life to walk with me. And that, is, that takes courage, but I, I believe actually for us to walk in the opposite spirit of what the world is saying of 
isolation and independence of actually we're called to walk in interdependence and in fellowship with one another. So that's just, um, I just like that kind of mindset shift of actually we are the church. And the things that I've been through, I'm hopefully able to help other people walk through. And that is the wonderful thing that we, we walk through things and when we can help people who are struggling. And believe me, there are a lot of people really, really struggling um, over because of what's happened in the last 18 months. Um, so I'm going to fi- finish there. And I think just God's heart as an invitation is to taste and see that he is good. And that's been my journey of the last six months of actually God spoke this word to have a fallow year and I had a choice of whether to submit to him. When God speaks a word, it's, you know, he's speaking Jesus. Jesus is is the word. Um, Submitting myself into God's hands of, I don't know what this year looks like, but my life is in your hands and I trust you. So whether you are walking in accountable relationships, I bless you to go deeper, deeper with God and deeper with each other. And if you're not, I encourage you just to be raw and honest with God and say, Lord, that is something that I really want in my life. Please bring people into my life to walk with me. Um, So yeah, thank you. Great, let's stop there. Okay. Thanks, Esther. I'm just really conscious as well that, and thanks, Esther, so much. Yeah, we're still recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And thank you, Esther, that was so, so rich. And it's funny, isn't it? It's, it's, it when Esther says she finds it hard being vulnerable, and I feel like she embodies this so well, and is such a role model. And so, just in terms of, you might know already that our, our, our sort of formal structures uh, within Hope for, um, Walking deeply with, with other people are fours, but they're not, they're not a rule. And I um, just want to make that really clear is that, uh, uh, we recognize that, um, what, what Esther's talking about, this kind of walking with others, um, sometimes it happens in a structural way. Sometimes it happens in, in a different way. And different people in hope have got different setups. My fault hasn't really worked for the last year. And, and that's fine. You know, it's, um, would have been great if it had, but you know, but, but things things don't always. And and our fours are not. You can't. You know, you go to the co-op and you know you'll find a packet of cornflakes on the shelf. A four's not quite like that. It's it's um and these kind of relationships are not quite like that. They're something that you know, uh, we're, we're not rushing into these things. Okay, are we? We're, we're on a journey, all of us, uh, as individuals, as a community, in growing, growing in God. And so it's a direction that we're going. And you know, we aspire. I aspire to be like Esther in the way that she walks with other people. And um, and so be, be, be encouraged in that. But fours are um, a, a, a model that we used. And I was chatting with Bethany the other day, and she was saying how brilliantly her four has worked right the way through COVID. And it's been, it's been, it's been brilliant. And I heard lots of others that have been as well. So uh, if you're interested in, 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 you're not part of a four and, you, and you're interested in that, they're kind of both organic and organized. So be actively saying, God, I'd love to have some people that I can walk with in this sort of a way. And let us know if we can be part of helping you to form that. Certainly let us know if you're in one. We'd love to try and you know, keep tabs on who's where and how people connected and so on. So uh, bless you in your vulnerability with God and, uh, and with each other. We'll finish there.